You've just been invited to a meeting with your board of directors, maybe even for the first time. Where do you start? In this episode, how to work with a board to help the organization succeed. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 432. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One area that many leaders, if not most leaders, have not had any training on is how to work with their board. It is something that many of us realize at some point in our careers, we do begin interacting with a board of directors, and yet most of us have never received any kind of training in this, or if we did, it was someone pulling us aside with a little more experience saying, here's what to do. Today, we're going to get some insight on really um, some of the important considerations of working effectively with a board, and I'm pleased that we have someone who's really got a wonderful expertise in helping us to navigate this effectively. I'm pleased to welcome to the show today, Denise Hinden. Denise is the president of Managence Consulting and Coaching, a firm that helps transform organizations with provocative strategic planning and coaches leaders and leadership teams. She was lead researcher and co-designer of Executive Transition Management, now a widely used methodology for effectively supporting nonprofits through leadership transitions. Denise is the author of the Nonprofit Organizational Culture Guide, Revealing the Hidden Truths that Impact Performance, and Taking Leadership to the Next Level, a year of stimulating essays to discover more joy in leading and inspiring others. And she has a tremendous amount of experience helping leaders and boards find alignment and succeed. Denise, I'm so glad to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Dave, and I'm so glad to be here today. Well, we should probably say at the front here that there are two big buckets of boards, right? There's the nonprofit world, which of course is where your experience is. And then of course, there's the for-profit, the corporate boards. And even though your experience is in the nonprofit area, and we're going to focus on that today, we're also going to mention some things that I think are going to be probably useful for leaders, regardless if they're in the for-profit or non-for-profit sector. So I, I think we should probably start from the beginning and at the risk of maybe asking too foundational a question, what is the purpose of a board? Well, it's such a great question because I think it helps leaders to get oriented toward why do we work with a group of volunteers and put so much time and energy into it. So I like to suggest that boards have six roles for an organization. They set policy and direction with the staff leadership, the CEO or an executive director. They monitor organization operations to ensure compliance with funding agreements and contracts and the mission, you know, in alignment with the mission of the organization. Board members act as ambassadors for the organization. They carry the voice of the organization out into the community. I think boards also are a strategy partner with a CEO or executive director. And I think really good boards make it a priority. Boards also have a responsibility to create an organization memory. So a record of the business of the organization to be used 
in annual reports and tracking the progress of the organization and advancing the mission of the organization. And finally, boards have a responsibility, again, in the nonprofit sector, to sustaining themselves, the board itself. So developing future board leadership so that there is a good succession plan among board leaders is also a purpose of a board. The word that I find comes up for me a lot when I hear folks in our academy and and listeners talk about problems with working with a board is not that people don't mean well or not that not everyone's bought into the mission, all those things, but but there is a sense of a bit of a disconnect sometimes when things don't work. And the disconnect, I think, probably comes a little bit from that complexity and just the amount of people involved of, you know, the executive directors, CEOs thinking one thing and the boards thinking something else. And do you run into that too? And and where do people find that they struggle with this? Yes, absolutely. For me, there really are three cornerstones of success with boards. I think about the relationship between board members and senior leadership. And that includes, you know, working together to affirm the purpose of the relationship annually, because as an organization's strategic direction changes or new opportunities come into the organization, it's really important to regularly contract, have a social, what I call a social contract between, you know, an executive leader and board members about what is it that we're working to accomplish as a board. So that relationship is one thing. Good meeting practices are another cornerstone so that, you know, I have examples where for a long time, boards come to a meeting and get reports presented to them. It's not very engaging. And after a while, it gets very boring. And boards aren't really learning about the organization or its challenges when they're just hearing reports. Mm -hmm. So having meeting practices that are engaging for board members, like, for example, every meeting having a generative question, which is a question we don't have an answer for easily, and having board members participate in discovery dialogue to imagine how an organization might answer that question without having to make a commitment to the answer is a way that I I like to encourage boards to create engagement. And then the third cornerstone, I would say, is good board processes. So the whole idea of figuring out how to identify, cultivate, and recruit future board leaders, there's the process of scheduling meetings and making them engaging. There's developing board expertise and mining board expertise. There's evaluating board performance. There's celebrating board performance. And all of those elements, a good board has a process associated with all of those elements to create consistency in the experience that board members or future board members have. Yeah, there's just so much complexity here. And I want to dive in on some of the key areas you've just mentioned. And one of the things you said a bit ago is relationships. And this is one of those things that as leaders, I mean, so many of us have gotten training in a lot of different things, but how do you interact with a board is something most people have never received any formal training on. And there comes a point in a lot of our careers where either we're on the executive leadership team or serving as an executive director or CEO or maybe even in a senior leadership role, but all of a sudden we're starting to get an, an invitation to attend a board meeting and interact with board members. 
And I think a lot of leaders just don't know where to begin. When someone's emerging into that space for the first time and thinking about starting to build relationships with members of their board, where do you suggest that they begin the thinking process? I would suggest that it's as easy as taking a board member you know, out for a cup of coffee or tea and asking them what interests them and excites them about serving on the board, what concerns they might have, what questions they have about, you know, what to expect from the experience and asking them where they would like to be most involved. So, you know, that's, that would be like a first conversation. Mm -hmm. And then regularly checking in with board members about, you know, maybe every once a quarter or twice a year, how is this experience going for you? What are things you have more questions about that as a leader in the organization I can answer? And it's definitely asking what are your concerns and what ideas do you have for addressing those concerns? So it's about creating a conversation and a dialogue on a regular basis. I know you've worked with all kinds of boards and all kinds of organizations, and you've seen the best examples and you've seen some poor examples, I'm sure too. When leaders do this well, and they really have built a good relationship with their board over time, what is different about those best case scenarios than what most of the rest of us do? Well, I think what's different is that a trust gets built so that when something comes up that's difficult, there's already a good foundation, a good working knowledge, a good amount of trust so that we can work through difficult times together. And every board will have those. You know, there's just no such thing as a board experience that's going to be smooth sailing. The challenges will come up for nonprofit organizations. It could be a loss of funding. It could be a gain of funding. It could be a decision of a CEO or executive director to move on from an organization. It could be that a leader can't continue serving, you know, due to a health challenge. There's just never going to be a perfect year for a board. And so being able to have good relationships between board members as well as with staff leaders creates the trust that's needed to work through those kinds of things thoughtfully. So in some ways, very much like what we are often telling leaders to do is, you know, really start with the relationship first, like you do with employees of building that relationship, building that trust, and then going from there. And it sounds like not not very different in that way with a board of beginning with the relationship first and the trust building so that when the inevitable challenges come, that you have somewhere to go and, and some foundation to start from. Yes. You know, years ago, Dave, I had a couple of mentors who introduced me to the world of board leadership. And, you know, one was an executive director who was very cautious about what she shared with board leaders. She aimed to be controlling in a way because she just didn't want board members to get terribly involved in the business of the organization. And the second mentor was another executive director that I worked for, who was an open book. And she came into the organization knowing that it had a lot of challenges. She was an open book with the board. 
And she had an incredible rapport with board members and they trusted her a lot more than board members trusted the first executive that I mentioned to you. And ultimately, the first executive was pushed out after many years of service to the organization. It was, it was very difficult. And the second leader, she decided when it was time to go and really left the board wanting more. So I would say that for me, since I, that was early in my career, I have always been a proponent of developing an open, trusting relationship between boards and executives, not sharing a lot of tactical information with boards because you don't want boards to be involved in the day-to-day operations of an organization, but sharing strategic issues with them, getting their guidance on challenging strategic issues that an organization is facing. And it makes a world of difference when you have that kind of openness. I really appreciate you sharing that example, because I think the tendency for a lot of us is not to ever give our boss bad news. And of course, the board is the ultimate boss in most organizations, particularly in a nonprofit. And I wonder, as you think back to that example with that leader who just really did a good job of being an open book, was there something that you saw her do, or or maybe even that you see other leaders do, that just gets them past that fear that we all have of giving giving bad news to, <laughs> to the people we're reporting to? Yeah, it's such a great question. You know, I think that this is where the relationship comes in between a board and leaders is to actually negotiate that part of the relationship is being a sounding board and a strategic thinking partner. And that when you're wearing those hats, anything that the organization needs is fair game. And so when I call you as a board and put on the agenda of a board meeting that we need to talk about an important challenging issue, I want to do it with that strategic thinking hat on. You know, I've had some executives, and this is a common term, I think, in public settings as well, like seeing the board as your kitchen sink, (laughs) like seeing them as a group of strategic thinkers who have the best interests of the organization at heart, and they really want to engage with you in that way. And so you negotiate that as part of the terms of the relationship that you have with them so that you feel comfortable and safe bringing those difficult issues to them so that when they're looking at those difficult issues, they're not looking at them as it being the fault of the executive for those things happening. Because typically those things aren't things that an executive caused, like the loss of funding or an opportunity for new funding, or a change in circumstances for the organization. And so that relationship with trust and candor can work well when you've already negotiated those terms before the discussion needs to happen. Tell me more about the kitchen sink analogy you mentioned. It sounds like a key point there. And What do you mean by kitchen sink? I'm using it in terms of, think about sometimes a committee on the board that can kind of be all in. So it can be the kitchen sink. You can stand around it. They can be all in with you and they can really help you think through how to work through a really challenging situation. Uh You know, I'm using it in a positive way. And that group of people is your strategic thinking partner that you don't have fear coming to because you know that that's the role that they're going to play. And they've agreed to play that role with you. An executive's 
position can be very lonely. You know, an executive director or a CEO, it can be very lonely because a challenge that they're thinking about, they can't really go to their staff. Sometimes they go to coaches. That's why you and I do what we do. But sometimes having the expertise that their board can bring to the conversation is just as important, you know, because their boards are in the organization with them. So that's what I mean by having a group of people that can play that all-in role around strategic thinking. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned loneliness. That is a word I hear a lot. And to your point, I mean, there's there's a time and place to bring someone in externally because you get that objective perspective, but you lose the context of the situation. And if you have the right board that's made a significant investment in the organization, they often are that that kitchen sink partner. Like you like, I love that analogy of thinking about standing around the kitchen and, and problem solving. And this is actually brings up another question for me of thinking about just communication with a board. There are some things that are similar, but I also think there are probably some things that are different than talking with a peer or subordinate or a colleague or maybe another manager in the organization. What is different about board communication when you're thinking about communicating with your board than other folks in the, you know, in the employee roles? The way I would answer that is that I think that it's a strategy, problem-solving, impact-oriented kind of communication. So a CEO or an executive director should be coming to the board with an orientation of thinking about the organization as a whole, the strategy that's going to help us continue to advance the agenda of the organization, solutions to challenges that we have. One of the things you mentioned earlier was responding to challenges that the organization has. I see every challenge that an executive and a board has as an opportunity. You know, it's an opportunity to change the way we've been doing something. It's an opportunity to find a new partner. It's an opportunity to improve something about the organization that we didn't know. So I think the communication with boards really is problem solving, but looking for the opportunity. Mm. With managers and peers, oftentimes, the conversation gets very tactical very quickly. Like, what are we going to do to fix this? And I think that the board conversation is what's important about what we need to fix and why is that important from a big picture perspective is what makes the conversation different. I mentioned to a few of our Academy members who I was going to be talking with you, Denise, and I asked them, you know, what are some of the things you run into with your boards? And one of the common questions I heard, and I've, I've heard from others before too, is just how to best prepare for communication with the board. And even a few folks said, you know, it's something like taking the temperature of board members on various topics before there's a formal meeting on something. And I'm, I'm curious about that because on one hand, I'm just sort of curious about that as, as its own question, but I'm, I'm also sort of curious about that just in the context of what you said of thinking about things as not maybe taking temperature so much, but also as like that kitchen sink of actually like thinking about stuff and problem solving together. When people ask you that, how do you tend to approach that? I practice a framework called conversational intelligence that was created by Judith Glazer. Judith passed away in November of 2018, but I'm so glad you mentioned this because she was on the show before several years ago, and we just had such a wonderful outreach when she was on the show of conversational intelligence. So I, (laughs) our audience knows her model well. Well, 
I was her student for three years. And I guess, you know, I'm a disciple for sure. And the things that conversational intelligence offer and the connection to neurochemistry and understanding how that all works is that by creating a climate of trust and candor, by being transparent, we literally calm the amygdala so that we can have good conversation. And there's a Harvard Business Review article from 2002. It's called, What Makes Great Boards Great? It was written by Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, and it was in the September 2002 issue of the Harvard Business Review. And he talks in that about this creating a climate of trust and candor. And he also talks about fostering a culture of open dissent. And Judith always said that that dissent is resistance. And when we are transparent, we reduce that resistance. And it's that actual transparency that allows us to move beyond resistance because it allows everybody to kind of put their stuff on the table and then we can work through it. So for me, communication at the board level is all about building trust and candor, making it safe to disagree and work through that. And then invite everyone to be part of the conversation. So make it inclusive. You know, don't have secrets, don't have committees meeting that people don't know about, don't have committees meeting without the CEO or executive director. Because for me, when that happens, when committees are meeting and the board is meeting without the executive there and so forth, it fractures the conversation. I so appreciate you saying this because it really also comes back to what you said earlier around transparency. And I really do hear that as a theme of really maintaining and strengthening a great relationship with your board. And, you know, at the risk of splitting hairs, I guess I wonder is there a good way for someone who's in an executive director role or CEO role to manage that? You know, given that there are going to be times that, that you will meet with a board member alone, you know, or one or two people or a small committee and maybe not have everyone involved in the conversation. Are there things you found that have just been good practices that help that transparency to still be honored, even in the context of the, the regular meetings that happen in an organization? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the thing there is for executive leaders to be mindful about what they are carrying forward from, you know, meeting to meeting and to have a practice themselves collecting perspective and points of view and either bringing those perspectives and points of view forward themselves, you know, by saying, so they're getting ready for a meeting, thinking about all of the different points, you know, where they got information from and sharing that as context at the beginning of the conversation. You know, the finance committee met. I had a chance to talk with these board members over lunch. The executive team talked about this. And here's what I gleaned from all of those conversations. And here's what I would like to get your perspective on and ask you to think about. So it's really developing the skill of moving a conversation forward building on what came before. I think that's such a key point, what you just said of it's a subtle change, but what a profound difference in showing up and trying to, you know, get someone's input or ideas on something versus showing up and I think in many cases intending to be transparent, 
but not communicating that transparency. And what I'm hearing you say is communicate the transparency of here's what happened in the prior meeting. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'd love to hear from you. And so even when those parties may be in separate situations as individual conversations, that you're still very much aligning with that value of transparency and moving a conversation forward. Yes. Even from my own experience of serving as a board member, it's very easy for board members to get disconnected from what's happening in the organization because they're, you know, you use the word disconnected at the beginning of our conversation. And one of the reasons that board members get disconnected is because they aren't there every day. It may be a couple of weeks between conversations. They may have not looked at board meeting minutes. So they're separated from the organization. And a lot of things happen between the time from one conversation to the next that a board member might be involved in. And so I know this sounds maybe a little silly, but what I find works is resetting the context almost every time. And it can be a little bit tedious for leaders But I find that when you do it, it really helps move people along. So, for example, when I'm doing strategic planning with boards, at the beginning of every meeting that we have, I show the same set of slides around, I have a decision pyramid, for example, and I remind them that we're focused on the strategic aspects of the organization. And here's the part of the process that we're in and here's the time frame of the process and i repeat that every single time and it actually helps them move along in the process with me so i would recommend doing that for almost anything that boards are doing is to keep going back to the reason they're meeting where this conversation started the goal in the strategic plan that it's connected to anything that you can do To connect board members to the context repeatedly helps them move into difficult conversations more easily. And it gets right to the purpose of what the board's there to do is to really think of the big picture strategic perspective and that context, that context sharing really helps to do that and keep that conversation there. I love it. Okay, this is great. So another question that a number of folks asked is, <laughs> trying to think of the best way to phrase this. What do I tell me what I don't know? And I am curious, just with all your experience of doing this, are there common mistakes that executive leaders, executive directors tend to make with boards that are things for us just to watch out for that we haven't already uh, surfaced in our conversation? Well, a few things that I would say here is not providing context around issues not making enough time for discussions, underestimating the time that it takes to develop buy-in around strategic or challenging issues, not staying in touch with board members to know what's on their mind, and making assumptions about what board members would like to know. I think it's better to ask them what they would like to know. And developing reports and materials around what board members think is important. Several of those points, the word timing came up, of timing for discussions and timing to make decisions. What is it you see that leaders miss on timing? Well, not leaving enough time for it. You know, thinking, for example, that 
you can do everything that you need in a 90 minute board meeting conversation once a month or once every two months, depending on how often the board meets. And I know that leaders want to be really respectful of board members' time. And at the same time, when somebody has made a commitment to a board, willing to put in the time that it takes. And so I think being honest about what the commitment takes and then setting aside the time to have the conversations that you need to have. Yeah. And and part of what I hear there is the board itself having good expectations as they bring on new board members and and continue the organization that they are good at setting those expectations, but also as the executive leader that you have a framework for what those expectations look like and sound like so that when you do ask for that time, it doesn't come as a surprise. Right. So this is great. There's so much we can say about this. I mean, we are we are really just scratching the surface. I so appreciate you sharing this with us, Denise, because I know this will not be our first conversation about boards and how to work with boards more effectively. For those who want to dive in on this more, and I know we have a number of people in our audience who this is very much top of mind right now. We've got a couple of resources for you to begin on, and I would love to hear from folks what questions you have on this, because we'll come back to Denise and see if we can even dive in in more depth. We've got two resources to share with folks, Denise. One's on your website, and then one of them is the book I mentioned in the introduction. Tell us about the leadership development workbook that's on your website. So the leadership development workbook helps leaders think about their identity as leaders. I like to think that, you know, as leaders grow and evolve year after year, their vision for their leadership, their values, their leadership style evolves. And so the workbook is a little touchstone to help leaders think about their vision and their values and their style and their beliefs as leaders. And it's a series of exercises to help leaders get in touch with that. And then I encourage leaders to kind of do that like every year and think about how they're growing in their leadership. So that's the complimentary workbook on our website. Perfect. So we'll link to that in the weekly leadership guide. And then you did a bunch of writing over the course of a year on essays to help leaders be more effective. And that's available on Amazon. So we'll link to that as well. So we'll link all that up in the weekly leadership guide. Denise, before I let you go, I'm really curious, you know, with all the different organizations you've worked with, all the different boards that you've advised over the years, as you've done this work and as you've seen the results, what have you changed your mind on in the recent years? What I've changed my mind on is through the help of conversational intelligence, having the courage to ask board members who aren't contributing a lot to an organization, helping them move on to something that maybe is a better use of their time. So, you know, I used to think that, well, board members are volunteers and we do have to work with each of them around their interests. But there does come a time and a point when it becomes imposing on the rest of the board and the senior leadership when a board member isn't really carrying out their responsibilities. So what I've changed my mind on is being thoughtful, kind, with candor, helping board members that need to move on to move on so that the board and a leader can bring in new board members who bring new energy and new life into the organization. 
Denise Hinden is the president of Managence Consulting and Coaching and the author of Taking Leadership to the Next Level. Denise, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Dave. If you found this conversation with Denise helpful, several past conversations that will also be of value for you. One of them is episode 271, How to Increase Your Conversational Intelligence with Judith Glazer. In that episode, we talked in detail about how to really get beyond just the surface level conversations and really how to look at conversations at a deep level. Judith and I talked in detail about how to really set up a framework for meaningful, deep, rich, and purposeful conversations. So many places there to go in that episode, and of course, directly relates to this conversation today because so much of success with a board is having good quality conversations. Episode 271 is where to go for that. Also, I'd recommend episode 316, Executive Presence with Your Elevator Speech with Tom Henschel. Of course, one of the important skills that we all need when talking to executive leaders at any level is being able to communicate clearly and concisely. In that episode, Tom and I discussed how you can utilize the elevator speech, which a lot of us hear about in the context of explaining what we do, but actually Tom opens that up quite a bit and gives us a practice to utilize that same concept in everyday interactions, particularly with executive leaders. Episode 316 is a great starting place for you if you're looking to get better at that. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 380, How to Find Confidence in conflict with Kwame Christian. So many of you have reached out to me and mentioned how helpful that episode with Kwame has been to you in just thinking about how to frame conflict, how to be able to utilize many of the analogies that he talked about in that conversation in order to walk into a difficult situation and to be able to find a path forward. And of course, boards and leaders run into difficult situations all the time. It's the nature of interacting with a board and a board setting strategy for the organization going forward. And so if that is uh, something you're looking for a little bit more on your tool set on how to find confidence in conflict, episode 380 is a wonderful starting place for you. And of course, all these episodes you can track down in the Coaching for Leaders com library of past episodes. And this episode will be filed under strategy and also under influence. We've had lots of past conversations around both of those. The best way to get access is just to go over to coachingforleaders.com and activate your free membership. When you do, you'll get access to the entire library of episodes since 2011. All of our expert guests, all of those searchable by topic, plus you'll get access to both of the audio courses up there now, uh, in addition to my own personal library, the weekly leadership guide coming your way on email on Wednesdays with the resources I found during the week that'll be helpful to you. And believe it or not, that's not even everything. There's a ton more inside the free membership. You can get access to it right now by just going over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and you'll be off and running in just a few seconds. Have a fabulous week, and I'll see you back next Monday for our next conversation on leadership. Take care, everyone.